everybody. Welcome to Bone to Pick. I am Michael Davis. And before we get started, a couple quick announcements. I'm really happy to announce that we are back as a podcast. So you can check us out on iTunes and SoundCloud at uh, Hip Bone Music Presents Bone to Pick. So check us out there. And also wanted to give a shout out to everybody for all your support and kind words lately. And uh, we hope you'll uh, keep giving us those likes and thumbs up on YouTube and Facebook and all of those. And, uh, and also, of course, continuing to, uh, to share the links with your students and colleagues and uh, just anybody you think might be interested in these uh, wonderful stories of the artists we've been fortunate enough to, uh, to get to interview. And uh, this month's artist is absolutely no exception. Uh, he is one of the jazz world's premier lead trumpet players. He is the great Earl Gardner. Um, as most of you, I'm sure, already know, Earl uh, was a very important part of the Thad Jones Mel Lewis slash Mel Lewis slash Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, being the lead trumpet player for 29 years. Uh, he has been a member of many of the jazz world's finest bands, including ensembles led by McCoy Tyner, Charlie Hayden, Carla Blay, the Carnegie Hall Jazz Band, Dizzy Gillespie, uh, the Mingus Big Band, just to name a few. He was the subject of a downbeat feature article entitled, entitled Lead Trumpet Supreme. Uh, he has countless pop and rock credits, including Michael Jackson, Frank Sinatra, Aerosmith, Eric Clapton, Santana, Sting, Aretha Franklin, Paul Simon, uh, Luther Vandross. I could get keep going, but uh, we'd like to get to the interview at some point here today. Uh, he has been a member of the uh, famed Saturday Night Live band since 1985. He has appeared on numerous Broadway shows uh, and the orchestras on Broadway. And uh, it's always a pleasure to see and get to work with Earl. And at, uh, doing this interview reminded me of the very first time I got to uh, work with him was in, uh, you may not remember this one, but in 1985, uh, Chris Bodie and I were working together in town. And Chris was just a sideman back then. And uh, he had a gig with the OJs that he was contracting the horns for. And so uh, he, thought, he thought, man, I wonder if I could get Earl Gardner to do it. And so he called up Earl. Earl said he would do it. And we all jumped in Chris's uh, Volkswagen Rabbit, drove up to Boston, did the gig, and then drove back after the gig. Uh, kind of a harbinger of things to come. But uh, it was a, a wonderful time, as it is every time you get to, uh, to work with this uh, great uh, gentleman. So, Earl, first of all, thank you so much for coming up to New City today and uh, spending some time with us. My pleasure. Thanks for asking. And uh, let's let's go way back. You know, I always think of the Philly connection, and I want to talk about that. But but I understand you grew up in New York, and uh, of course you went to the Great Music and Arts High School. Maybe talk about your early memories and uh, just kind of things that led you into uh, into music and to the trumpet. Uh, yeah, I you know I don't really know how I got into it. <laughs> I, no, seriously, I. You know, I mean, growing up, I was, you know, I, you know, listen to music, but just, you know, as, you know, as a kid, just listen to whatever. My dad used to have, he had lots of, uh, lots of records, like all kinds of stuff. And, and, uh, you know, there, anything from like Cal Jader and, you know, like Duke Ellington and mm -hmm. Basie and, and he, you know, he used to listen to music a lot, you know, and. You know, I I listened to it, you know, with him once in a while, but I d didn't really think much about it. And uh, when I uh, g decided to, um, well, not decided, but at, in at in sixth grade, they gave us they gave us these uh, uh music. They called them uh, music tests, which was basically was just a hearing test. You know, like oh, okay, you identify like pitches. You know, like you know, take one right. is higher. You know, 
and you know I got I got them all right or you know so they so when I went to junior high school they put me in the music they I think there were three music classes uh, in seventh grade so like three of them were had music curriculum along with with everything else and so they put me in a music class and uh, they asked me if uh, they said well, what instrument do you want to play and I said saxophone. Because that's because so, you know, I, I thought well, saxophone was small, didn't have to, <laughs> wouldn't be heavy Economy to carry around. Movement, yeah. yeah, thinking like yeah, sax would be cool, you know. So, and uh, they said, well, do you, we don't have sax. You're in the brass class, so um, you know, I, of course, me thinking, oh, I'm sorry, I'm thinking like, well, isn't sax made out of metal? Brass right. is metal, yeah. right? So. And they were like, no, no, it's a reed instrument. And that was like, okay, reed, now you got me. I have no idea what you're talking about. So they said, no, this is, these are your choices. Trumpet, trombone, baritone horn, uh, tuba, or drums. That was, the, that was the class I was in. So it was brass and percussion. And that was, my, that was the class. I guess the other class was with strings. And uh, I, <laughs> I kind of looked at the trumpet and I went... Yeah, that, I'll take that. <laughs> that was the smallest thing. It seemed like the easiest thing to play. It only had the three valves. You didn't have to worry about a slide, yeah. and the tuba was like that, and the baritone was a little smaller than the tuba. And um, and I I picked I picked the trumpet. That's that's how I, that's I'm, you know that that's the story behind picking the trumpet. It wasn't like I was sitting there going, one day I'm going to play trumpet. Well, clearly a good choice, and for all of us as well. So. Uh, and then uh, from there you went to music and art. So what was that uh, experience like back then? For those of you who don't was, know, I should start it. Yeah, no, for those of you who don't know, music and art is uh, now LaGuardia High School, but yeah. a very famous music uh, high school. Uh, the show Fame from, uh, I guess that was in the 70s or 80s, yeah. uh, was based on music and art high school. And it's uh, really an amazing program. Lots of, in addition to Earl, many, many uh, great uh, alumni, Marcus Miller, Buddy Williams, uh, endless list. But, uh, yeah, but like anyway. Friends that experience for you sorry to interrupt it was no no it's fine um it was i i was amazed i mean because i didn't realize how how much how great that experience was at the time yeah i mean at the time it just that seemed normal i mean because it was a regular high school you had all your regular high school courses plus music courses you know they had they had all they had a whole all different kinds of orchestras you know like four or five orchestras. They had, i think that i think there were like seven orchestras wow. and um uh, six concert bands, you know, and they had a jazz band, and um, so you had, you know, you would they would put you in whatever orchestra they thought you could, you know, you were you would be able to play in, and you know, different they were different levels, you know. So like I think Orchestra Seven was like the top orchestra, and I think I was at, like Orchestra like minus one or something. <laughs> <laughs> it was you know, uh, and you know the concert band and. Uh, in the jazz band, I, I actually was in was in the jazz band, uh, and I don't I don't know why or how I got into it, but you know I started I played in the jazz band and I wasn't I was just playing you know like second or third parts you know I wasn't uh, I wasn't like playing you know lead it wasn't like like oh yeah this, he's a prodigy let this guy blow on you know <laughs> I definitely wasn't a jazz player so. Um, but it was, uh, but we got theory, you know, theory courses and 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 uh, a con you know counterpoint and and conducting, you know, like conducting. It was very, I mean, it was comprehensive. They just mm. the, the the 
musical, uh, the music, the knowledge that I learned from, I mean, because my freshman year in college, uh, like in theory, like theory, you know, theory 101 or whatever it was, I was, I, I was tutoring people in the class, you know, because all the stuff I had already learned in, in at, you know, music and art. So oh, that's cool. So people were coming to me like, well, how did you do this? Like, you know, I'm like, well, it's like, this is, this is what's happening. This is a triad. And if you invert it and they're looking at me like, what? And I'm like looking at them like, and the teacher, and you know, the teacher's like, they're giving you this stuff and it's, it's on, it's flying through it. And it was, and I'm sitting there going, this is like, oh, I got this in, you know, like at least a couple of years ago, <laughs> junior year in, at Music and Art, we, were, we went through this already. And it was, uh, by, you know, that's when I realized how, you know, how great the school was, the the high school was. And in, in, plus it was regular high school. They just playing, you know, they had a baseball team, playing on the baseball team and oh, cool. you know, lugging, like, you know, lugging equipment every every day up these huge these stairs. They had to walk up to get to the school. It was on the subway too, which is right. It was insane. Total was, uh, New York experience. Yeah, in it high was, school. Yeah, it was nuts with the books and the and the equipment <laughs> in, the, in the subway. You know, like at seven thirty in That's the morning. That's when you were glad you took trumpet instead of tuba. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the tuba wouldn't have made it. No, we'd have to cut that loose. Well, from from there, you of course went to Temple uh, University, which is. Uh, Always had a great music program, and certainly now with Terrell Stafford, there's an amazing program they've got going in Dick Oates there. But for you, what was that like back then, and what uh, what led you to go to Temple? Um, well, my my uh, family was moving to uh, Pennsylvania, or moving to Harrisburg, and uh, so against like I didn't want to go. I was I wanted to stay in New York. Not that I knew anything about it. It wasn't about because of music or anything. It's just like I was. I just grew up there, and I wanted yeah, to stay. And uh, my, you know, my dad was like, says, "Well, you know, if you're going to stay here, you got to find some place to stay. You got to find a <laughs> job." And and I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm like, "Oh, well, I can do that," you know. Like, but then when I thought about it, I'm going like, "Well, I, I can't do that because." You know, I'm like 18 and like, <laughs> I'm gonna go find a job <laughs> and then find some place to stay, you know. And so I I wound up auditioning for Temple because it was down there and uh, you know it was I had heard about I, I I hate to I hate to say it but it's like I had heard that Bill Cosby had gone there and mm -hmm. you know back 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 then before found out like what he was like that was kind of like a, a you know a big deal and it's like sure oh, well you know it's a good school. And you know, I had uh, heard that it was a good school, so I uh, auditioned and, and got in there. And you know, I auditioned for me. You know, I auditioned for Juilliard in Manhattan, and uh, but I got in the Temple. You know, Julie Manhattan were like, like they were like they were like waiting lists. They were like, say, well, you know, if three hundred thousand people don't get in, <laughs> you will make you're in. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I got a shot, yeah. but uh, but you know, but they 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 actually took me in. They said like, okay, yeah, you can come here. I was like, I was like, okay, well, should I wait to hear from them or should I just take what I get? So, so I, that's what that's what took me, brought me to Temple, and um, they like you said, they they had a really good music school. You know, they like they, the first year players from the Philly Orchestra taught there, and uh, and at the time they they didn't really have a jazz band. Oh, really? Um, a friend of mine, this guy that I, that I uh, knew, um, he passed away, this guy, Bill Zacagney, he actually 
started the jazz the jazz program there, but it wasn't like an official an official um it wasn't officially linked to the school. Uh, he just put it he he put it together and you know and we we get together and and play and we actually went to the Quinnipiac uh, Jazz Festival as the Temple University Jazz Band. And played and came in fourth, I think. It was like we were, we, and it was the smallest big band up there. I think we only had like, I think thirteen or fourteen piece band. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they had these bands up there, you know, like for, you know, like thirty pieces, you know, like. <laughs> and we went up there with this little band and and did really well, you know, and and uh, so after that, then the temple decided, oh yeah, we're gonna. Okay, you guys did a great job. <laughs> oh, we'll take it from here, you know. And, <laughs> yeah, until they made the one of the uh, teachers there, they put him in. <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> put him in charge of the jazz band, uh, and he didn't have a clue like what was going on, you know. And he got these stock arrangements that were not great, you know. We were doing, you know, we were doing like. Uh, you know, bassy stuff, you know, like uh, bassy arrangements and, you know, Buddy Rich stuff. And um, but when, when after the festival, then this teacher took over and it, it became, oh, this is not, <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> it was, it was kind of a drag because, you know, because Bill actually started that program. And then after that, they, they kind of just. Said, oh yeah, you know, like I said, thanks for you know, thanks for playing. See you later. We got it. <laughs> so that it wasn't really the same, you know. And so, but now, like you know, Terrell down there and, and Dick and there, it's really, I'm sure it's it's uh, it's actually a jazz program. Yeah, know? absolutely. It's, well, I think one of the things I want to really to hear you talk about is is uh, your relationship with Dad Jones and Mel Lewis. Such an important. Uh, uh, band and Thad in particular, who was to me probably, I mean, you could argue the greatest big band writer of all time. He's certainly in your top three, however you want Absolutely. to frame it. But um, talk to us a little. I have a lot of questions about about the band in particular, but maybe talk about how you got into the band. I think you were still in Philly when you first got um, connected yeah. to them, and how how did that uh, come to pass? Well, there was uh, this drummer down there, this guy Phil Giordano. Um, who had a big band down there, and he had a great book, just like a, like all this. He had all the buddies charts, all the buddies charts, and and Woody charts, and Thad Mel charts, and uh, Kenton. You know, he just had this great book. Mm. Um, and uh, it was you know it was a rehearsal band. You know we you know and we would rehearse uh, every once in a while, but uh, he Mel would get was uh, gave him lessons. He would come. Oh, really? Mel would come down to Philly to give him lessons, um, and uh, Phil, you know, Phil, he's you know, he's a good drummer, and uh, like I said, the band was really good. And so one, and Mel would come down there, give him lessons, and, and stay over at his house, and then go back. Hmm. So one of the times uh, he gave him a lesson, uh, Phil got a gig at this uh, this restaurant. That upstairs they had it was kind of like a club and they had uh, you know like there was, there was a for on the stage for a big band, so he got this gig at this at this club uh, down in Center City in Philly and 
the one, one night he had. I think he. I think we did. We gigged like every Tuesday or something. Every Tuesday nights he would. We he would have us like. I don't know if it was once a month or you know, twice a month or once in a while. I, I forget. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't like a steady. It was a steady gig in the sense that we would play there, whenever they would have us play there. Uh, so one of those one of those Tuesdays, uh, Mel was up. It was giving him a lesson, and Mel was staying over, and we happened to be playing that night. And so Phil brought him to the club. So I didn't, I didn't know that he was, you know, that he was, that he was going to be there. And I hadn't seen Mel uh, when I, when we, you know, we played a set. And uh, after the set was over, um, Mel came up to me and he says, he says, yeah, man, you really sound great. And I'm like, oh, thanks a lot, you know. And I didn't know it was Mel because he had a beard. Okay. And I hadn't seen him with a beard. And and Phil didn't say, oh, Mel's coming. You know, Mel's coming tonight. He's just... So I'm I'm standing there, and uh, he's like, he says, "Yeah, you really sound great." And I'm like, "Well, you know, thanks a lot." And, and I, that night, I happened to be playing lead. Uh, so, so he he's um, so I'm just standing at the bar having a beer, and he says, "Well, um, he says, do you have a card or anything?" And I'm, I'm just like, "What do you mean? I didn't know it's like a business card, you know." And I'm like, <laughs> I thought I was thinking like, so like, what do you mean, like a baseball card?" Or, I don't, know, I don't know what you do. I don't know what you mean. He says, "No, a card with your number." I was like, "I said, uh, no." He says, well, "Let me have your number." Uh, he says, "This guy, you know, I might, you know, I might, I might use it sometime." And I'm, you know, I'm thinking like, "Use me for what? What is, what is this guy talking about?" So I kind of got a napkin. It was like, it was like kind of half wet, and like wrote my, <laughs> scribbled my number down and gave it to him. Like, yeah, here you go. Yeah, there you go, kid. <laughs> Take it easy. And as I hand, hand him the, the napkin, uh, Phil comes over. He come, Phil comes walking over. He says, hey, he says, I, I see you met Mel. And I'm like, Mel, Mel who? He, goes, he says, Mel Lewis. And I, I look at Phil and I look at Mel and I'm like, I said, that's not Mel Lewis. He goes, he's like, he said, that's Mel. And Mel's standing there smiling, you know, with his spirit. And I'm looking at him and he says, I said, Really? And Phil's like, yeah, and I like I walked down to the other end of the bar and just like stared at him. Then I came walking back and I said, You really Mel Lewis? He says, He says, Yeah. And Phil's laughing. They're both they think it's hysterical. I'm like I'm like, Oh, okay, well it's, it's nice to meet you. you know? He says, Yeah, he says, Yeah, sounds great, you know, blah, blah, blah. And so we finished the night and everything, and so at the end of the night he's you know, I do I think we did three sets and at the end of the night he goes, he says, Okay, well, he says, um, well, he says, I'll, I'll, I'll be giving you a call. He says, like, you know, because we've got this tour coming up, and we, you know, I might need, might need a trumpet player, so like, I'll, I'll give you a call. And, you know. So I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, <laughs> that works for me. And and he left. So as soon as he left, I'm thinking, like, said, that's not gonna happen because <laughs> when does that happen? He's in New York. <laughs> There's plenty of trumpet players up there. You don't need me. So so we left and. Uh, and I didn't think anything more about it. Uh, meanwhile, like friends of mine would be calling, you know, would be calling me up, going, "Did Mel call you yet?" <laughs> and I'm like, "No, he's not going to stop bothering me." You know, and catch, you know, other other friends of mine would be calling, "Hi, hey, this is Mel Lewis. Is all there?" And I'm like, you know, like you know, giving him choice words, like, you know, "Leave me alone." And so when so I guess it was about two, three weeks later, um, he called. Uh, and my roommate, at the time, he he uh, he called he. 
I was sleeping. I was like, you know, just, you know, taking a nap or something and just, which is something I never do. And just, I was just like passed out and he, and my roommate call, comes in the room. He says, he says, hey, he says, Earl, he says, Mel Lewis is on the phone. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Right. You know, this has been going on for, he says, no, I really think it's him. And I'm like, yeah, okay. I said, well, take, take his number down. Tell him I'll call him back. And my roommate's looking, I was like, okay. So he goes and he tells Mel, he says, well, uh, he's kind of busy. He'll call you back. So a couple hours later, I get up, and he and uh, and uh, my roommate says, "Here's the number." So I look at it, and I see it's like a, a, a New York area code. It's like nine one four, and I'm like, "Okay." So <laughs> I dialed the number because I figured I said, "Like, well, okay, it's not any of the idiots from down here <laughs> calling me." So I called the number and fixed up. He says, "Hello," and I said, "Like, is uh, this Mel Lewis?" He says, "Yeah." He says, "Earl," and I went. Yeah. He says, how you doing? I'm like, is this really Mel Lewis? <laughs> so that went on for a couple of minutes. And then finally, when he convinced me that it was him, I'm like, uh, yeah, hi, yeah, how you doing? <laughs> he said, and he starts laughing. He says, you really didn't think it was me? I said, no, because for the last, you know, three weeks, friends of mine were calling me telling me that they're you. you know? So he finally, so so he says, listen, he says, so we're, um, where you have this tour coming up and, and uh, we're, we're, we're auditioning trumpet players and I told Thad about you and, and uh, he wants you to come up and play on Monday. So I, was, I said, okay, um, really? <laughs> He's like, he said, yeah, come up to this Monday. So, you know, we were just, you know, like three or four days. So I said, uh, um, yeah, okay. And he says, great. He says, you know, we're at the Vanguard, you know where that is? Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh so i hung up so i didn't have a car so i uh so i told my roommate i said like he wants me to come up and play on monday at the vanguard he's like oh yeah that's great you know so this friend of mine um another trumpet player who passed away a few years ago he he said um you know word got out and he's like he said he's i'll take you up to the i'll take you up to the vanguard it's like okay so he so he drove up that monday night and and uh we get to the front door, and I'm I'm kind of freaking out because I'm like I'm not ready sure. to do this. Like, <laughs> I'm, this is not happening. And so he drove me up to the Vanguard, and uh, we get out of the car, and we get to the front door, and it was probably you know it's about nine fifteen. It was early because back then the set started at ten o'clock. And I get to the front door, and I'm standing there, and and I tell I turn to my friend, I said I I said I can't I said I can't Rick I can't go in here I can't do I can't do this. He says, he says, yeah, you can do this. He's, I said, I can't. This is, this is, it's the Vanguard. It's like Dan Mel's band. You know, we listen to them all the time. Like, I can't do this. He's, and he says, I drove you all the way up here. He says, you're going in there and you're playing. He's, <laughs> I'm like, uh, um, okay. He says, so I said, what could go wrong? You know, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so we went in there and, uh, Lynn Nicholson was sitting. He was he was sitting on the floor at back, you know, in the trauma section. He was like warming up, and I came walking in, and I was real. I was real big then. It's like three hundred pounds. So I, I come walking in with the you know with the gig bag, and and I come walking to the back, and he looks up and and he says, he says, can I help you? And I said, I said, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm playing with the band tonight. <laughs> and he says, really? <laughs> like this, look at his face was good. It was just it was so like incredulous. It's just like. 
Really? He says, what are you, what are you, what are you supposed to be playing? I said, uh, the third third book. And then he goes, really? <laughs> now I'm really freaking out because yeah, I'm true. thinking like, oh, what have I gotten into here? <laughs> so he he, uh, he says, well, here, over there, with, you know, next to the drums. So it's like, get in there. And I set up and he's, uh, and he just keeps warming up. So I get my stuff out and. Uh, slowly, slowly, everybody's coming in because I'd never been—I'd never been to the Vanguard before, so I was, so I was just kind of up on the bandstand, just you know, took my horn out and it kind of warmed up. Like I don't—I don't even know what I—I I don't even know if I did warm up because. <laughs> so it was all set up, and then uh, so the band starts scraggling in, you know, Dodgins comes in and, and Pepper, and uh, then Forcino comes in, and uh, and Frank Gordon who had joined the band. I think he had joined the band maybe a couple weeks before that, before me. So they come in, so the band's up there, and Mel comes in, he goes, oh, yeah, he said you made it, that's great, you know. I say, yeah, thanks, you know, like, why am I here? <laughs> oh, you'll be fine, you'll be fine. <sighs> yeah, and I'm still looking at him going, like, this is Mel Lewis, like, this is really... <laughs> so he, uh, so Thad comes in, and the band's up there, so we're getting ready to start the set. So Persino, uh he's... And, oh, and Porcino, he was warming up, and when he would warm up, he had the arrows be coming out of the sides. He would, he was, he sounded horrible, warming <laughs> up. And I was thinking, that going like, this is El Porcino. Wow, what's, what happened to him? Because <laughs> when he would warm up, he would, he would do these, like long tones, but like a, I don't know if it was like a carmine thing or what, but if you, and you get this like horrible sound coming out. And I was just sitting there thinking, like, oh, wow, he's really, you know, something's happened to him, you know. <laughs> right. So, uh, so they call, so they call the set and they hand, in out, they hand out the paper and so I'm looking through the book, you know, putting the set together. So the first tune was Second Race. And, uh, so, and back then, like, the original chart, they had written an insert for the chart that was at the back, that was at the end of the chart. So you had to start at the back and then go to the chart, you know, go back to the regular chart. <laughs> so, so Porcino is explaining this to me. So there's up in front. I said, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Like, this, this, this is their Jones Bell Lewis Orchestra, blah, 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 blah. And Porcino's back there going, okay, so now we start here at the <laughs> end and we play down to here and then we go to the top and then and he did, he's talking in his Porcino voice, which is, <laughs> you can hear him over everybody. And Thay's up there, you know, introducing me. And the first scene featured in blah, blah, blah. And, and he hears Porcino back there. And I hadn't met there yet. So Porcino, so Porcino's telling me, and then we go from here to there. And then we play to here. And then there's a the background. And then he'll cue us on the background, and Thad turns around. And he looks and he looks right at me, cause cause Porcino's like he and I'm, I'm sitting, I'm here. Porcino's there, and Porcino's there. And then we do this and this, and Thad turns around and looks right at me, like, <laughs> like just staring at me, like. And Porcino doesn't notice. He doesn't see that. They, and then we go from there to then we go to letter D. And then and it, and I'm just standing there like staring at Thad, like, oh, I'm he's gonna kill me. <laughs> And Porcino looks up and he says, I'll tell you the rest later. <laughs> and Thad finally turns around and he f finishes introducing the test. It was, I mean, this, this, is the, this is my introduction. This is my, the first this time. Before it. I play a note, I'm like, I'm toast. I'm, 
I'm not getting this gig because Thad hates me. I haven't played a note. I haven't played a note. I don't play that good anyway. He's not gonna. I'm, this is a waste of time. So in in a funny way, it kind of relaxed me because I'm thinking, like my friend said, what could go wrong? It's like it's it just did. I got nothing to lose. So we played. So we we play, We did the uh, you know then the gig started and, and we played, and um, that that was my my first gig my first encounter with that. And, wow, and, what a uh, great story! Right. between the, I think between you and Dick Oates are the best. First story, for getting on a band story. That's awesome. Yeah, he, he had a, yeah, his story was kind of front. Also, kind of crazy. quite good. But, uh, but anyway, thank you for sharing that. That's an awesome uh, story. And for those who don't know, Al Persino, one of the legendary lead trumpet oh, players yeah. of all time, but an equally legendary character. So oh. I can imagine what that felt like for you. You know, uh, for somebody who's such a huge fan like myself, like like if you if you, if you ever heard the band, you have to be a huge fan. But. Uh, um, when I look, I was fortunate just to see the band live once in Rochester. I'm sure you were there. Um, but Thad seemed like such a dynamic leader. Like, he really, like, you could almost sense the music from just his, per, you know, his physical being and the way he kind of led the band. Yeah. I was wondering if you could just share your thoughts about what he was like personally and as a band leader and how he, how you perceived, uh, how he got the music out of you guys. Well, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a good question. It's a, it's it's hard um he you know like he just he felt he felt the music you know he he felt it like in you know in inside and i mean you can tell just like from his writing the way he wrote but he um he he would hear he would hear the band out front he'd be out front and he would hear the band and while the band's playing he would stuff you know you could, he he would have music going on in his head and mm -hmm. ideas of what because he would give us he would make up backgrounds for us like when somebody be soloing he would pick up his horn and he would play something he would play something like okay I want you guys to play, play mm -hmm. tell the saxes play this you know trombones play this and tell trumpets you know while, while the, the playing and he'd bring us in and he he'd be making up charts he'd be making up backgrounds while you know while the music's going on Wow, cool. And he was, and the way he was, he was, the way he seemed was the way he was. You know, he was very, um, very uh, joyful. Mm. You know, that, that's, he he loved, he loved the music, he loved the band. Uh, and it came out, and his, the way he acted up on, on the band stage, that's, that's the way he was. Mm. I mean, he was always, you know, he's, you know, he's up there clapping, and he, he was just happy. While when the band was playing, he was happy. And you know, like he's that's he wasn't like that all the time, but you know, on the bandstand, he was you know, he was really the the music he made the music, the music came out of him. Mm -hmm. He and he enjoyed he enjoyed it and he enjoyed uh changing it like on, on the fly. You know, he would he would make changes while we're playing. Um, you know, when he would be when he would be mad, he would get mad, you know, but. It didn't, it would never last long, and he would never. He didn't like it when you were mad at him. He didn't. He didn't. You couldn't stay mad at him. I mean, there were <laughs> numerous times when I would be so pissed off at him, <laughs> and he would just. He just. He just. Uh, Come on, Duga. <laughs> and I'd just be like, I. I can't believe you. I, can't, I, I would just start laughing. He just. We had a gig one over in Europe. We, the the bus had gone like four or five hours the wrong way. 
and had to turn around and go back and and oh, uh, no. to make the gig. Yeah, so we got to we got to the gig like three. I think we were three hours late. It's in, in Nimes, I think it was in, in France. At this big arena, it's like this amphitheater. I mean, you've probably played there. It's like the, it's like the the uh, the Coliseum or something. You know, that's what it looks like. <laughs> and we got there, and the people were still standing. Were still had stayed. You know, like we were we were literally three hours late for the for the gig, and everybody, was, but people, the majority of the crowd stayed. So we get out. So we get off the bus, and all we had time to do was get off the bus and put on our dashikis and get up on the bandstand, like not even warm up or anything. And they called this ridiculous uh, set, like like the set started with cherry juice, you know, which is like ridiculous right then, like three and one and uh, Little Rascal and Rock. They were all like, they were all killers, killer charts. So I see the set and I went. I said, "Dad, I said we can't, we can't do, we can't do this. I, I, I can't do this. This is, this is ridiculous." He says, "No, no, we gotta hit. Yeah, we gotta hit. The, yeah, we come on, we gotta hit them hard. We gotta." <laughs> I'm like, I said, yeah, I said, well, we're not, we don't have time to warm up. I mean, because literally it was like, get off the bus and get on the bandstand, you know. I said, we're not even, he says, oh, come on, you can do it. And I was like, you can't. He says, come on, we're going to, well, we're going to do it. That's, that's, that's it. It's like, when well, I'm not changing it. <laughs> so, so, so he's, so I'm really pissed off. I'm just like, Phew. So I'm so we get up there and we start the, we start the set and I'm just staring at him and I'm pointing my horn right at him and I'm playing as loud as I can. I was like, I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna kill myself on the first tune. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna die and then I'll show you. Yeah, you know. I'll see who gets the yeah, last laugh. Yeah, you think this is me? You think it's funny? So I start so I'm so I'm I'm, I'm playing and I'm staring. I'm, I'm pointing the horn at him and I'm just staring at him like while I'm playing. Like, and every time, you know, we finished playing, you know, we finished playing Lick, and I just, and I just be staring at him. He's up there like, <laughs> yeah, like he's loving this. And we finished the set, and I, I don't think I ever played better in my life because I just, you know, I was just so mad. I wasn't even thinking about like, you know, you're killing yourself. You know, you're mashing the horn into your face. Like, didn't matter. We played the set, finished the thing, and came off. The, we finished the set, came off the bandstand, and and. Uh, and Thea, and Thea looks at me. He says, "So, what do you how, how you feeling, Doug?" And I'm like, I'm screaming at him, like, you know, like choice words, you know, like, like he's like, I, I can't believe you did that. I can't, I can't believe. How could you do? You're a trumpet player. You should know better. And he's just smiling. He's like, he says, "You got through it, didn't you?" And I just was like, "Ah." <laughs> And all I could do was laugh. And I was like, like, "Why could you do it?" And he's just like, "I knew you could do it." And he just walked. And he just walked away, like you know, just. That's and awesome. all I could do was laugh. And he's like, he said, oh, "Man, you pissed me off so much. <laughs> don't you ever do that again." He's like, "Oh yeah, no, you know, no problem." Yes. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I I remember that just as a as a fan of the band when Thad left to to move to uh, I guess he moved to Denmark right first or yeah uh, Copenhagen uh, yeah. Copenhagen. Yeah. What was what was the feeling like for you guys? I can't imagine. It's probably it was like a losing a losing losing him as a yeah. leader. I mean, I can't imagine what that what that felt yeah. like for the band. It was. I mean, it was. Uh, it was not. It was not good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wasn't there when when he left because I they did a tour uh, that I didn't make, and that was the tour that he that he decided to uh, to st to to stay over there. And he didn't tell anybody that he was. He, well, he didn't tell anybody in the band. 
you know, it's like, you know, it's like he, he didn't tell Mel and uh, Mel found out from uh, uh, from uh, somebody was interviewing him for a paper or something. Um, and, he's, and they asked him, so like, what do you think about Thad staying in Europe? And Mel was like, he says, he's not staying, he's not staying in Europe. And he said, oh yeah, he's, he's gonna, he's moving to Copenhagen. He's, he's, he's gonna be in charge of the, the radio band in, in uh, Denmark. To, and Mel, that's how Mel found out. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, you know, Mel was just like beside himself, you know, like, he says, he says, I just heard you staying in, you know, staying in Denmark. He said, you're not, you're, he said, you're not staying in, that's when Mel, that's when Thea finally told him, you know, and so it was, you know, it was like, it was like a death in the family, you know, like yeah. it just, it was, you know, and uh, so, I mean, Mel, we, I don't think, you know, when the band came, when the band came back, I, I don't think the, uh, Mel didn't, I don't think he ever thought that he wasn't going to keep the band going. He just was trying to figure out how, you know, like what, you know, how, what direction the band was going to take. He was like, he's not going to replace, he was toying with replacing Thad, but who are you going to replace Thad with? You know, this, you know, so he, uh, so that's, that was, you know, it took, you know, it took a while before he came up with a, you know, with a solution, which was to get, uh, to have have Brookmeyer write for the, for the band, make Brookmeyer the uh, the MD for the band, um, and it made it brought the focus to the band. It made the band the the central part. You know, it wasn't like you know, I mean, it's still Mel Lewis in a jazz orchestra, mm-hmm. but the band was the was the that was the main focus. It wasn't like Thad Jones. There was nobody out front. The band was what was out front. Mm-hmm. You know that so. Uh, so in that respect, it it made it made sense, you know. And you know, Brookmeyer was well respected. You know, and people knew him. Sure. You know, he used to play in the band, and and Bob didn't want to front the band, um, but he wanted you know he wanted to write for the band, you know. And mm-hmm. you know, every once in a while he would he would you know take break out the trombone and uh, his valve trombone, and, <laughs> and they, you know front the band. And, and we did a couple of tours where we had different, like Buddy DeFranco would, was like the fr- was the front oh, wow. man. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he had his charts. You know, he'd come out and do like we did like two or three tunes with him. You know, then it would be us. But he did different. Mel, he came up with different things. I think a lot of it was the promoters were going like, well, yeah. At first, it was like, well, there's there's no thing. Who's who's fronting the band? Like, well, we, the, there is nobody fronting the band. Well, how can? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. we're supposed to. Well, you know, it's, it's Mel Lewis, and yeah, well, you're back there. It's like there's no, there's nobody in front. They, 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 they so that's when he got Buddy DeFranco did it. You know, we did a tour with with him, and um, you know, like every once in a while they'd have somebody, but it was basically the band. You know, and and uh, for writing for the band. So yeah, I'm sure that must have also one of the great. Uh, Great writers for big band, but I'm sure musically that took a, a a turn coming from Thad to 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 Brookmeyer. Yeah, it was you know like it, I was at first I was kind of excited because I was I had heard like listened to like the old like old Brookmeyer stuff that he wrote. You know, I mean we had you know we had charts like Willowy for Me and in you know in St. Louis Blues in the book, uh, but I was listening. I Mel had said like you know check this out this this one child, I'll never forget this Plain Jane Snavely. That he did for I, I forget what band it was for. It wasn't. It wasn't for. It wasn't for Thad Mel's band. It was. It was I, I forget who. 
but it's just like this, you know, this really swinging chart, you know, I'm thinking like, oh, okay, this, this will be okay, you know. Yeah. But Bob was getting more into the, or, the uh, like, orchestral writing, you know, more, like, through composing, or I mm-hmm. guess, because it was, um, there weren't as many open spots for solos, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, uh, uh, it was it was more I mean it was more focusing on the band as a whole as a unit as a whole mm-hmm. you know which like I said which you know which made sense you know it just it wasn't as much fun playing about the stuff that he wrote for us as it was playing Thad stuff mm-hmm. but there there were two different kinds of you know there were two different it's two different kinds of writing you know and Bob he's a great he's you know he was a great arranger. And everything it was just it was just different styles you know different, different yeah. styles and he was trying to get a different it was a different uh field that he was getting out of the band um which was which worked because it, in 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 the sense that it got it made it i it gave the band it's a different identity it, it kind of redefined the identity of the band yeah interesting well another sad chapter in the band of course is mel's passing in uh, 1990 what uh what was your memories back then? And I know he was sick for a while with skin cancer. And then yeah. how how did the band? Obviously, it's lived on and is uh, still going now, of course. But um, but how was that period for for you guys in the band? And how how were you kind of approaching moving forward from that point? Well, you mean like after after he passed away? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, well, it was it was kind of like. What happened when Thad left? It was like, well, what, what's the band gonna, what's the band gonna do? You know, how how do we move forward? You know, for so, I mean, for a while, it, it might we we were thinking like we might the man the band just might not go. You know, mm. just just this band. Um, but you know, I I mean, as far as I was concerned, I was thinking like, well, you know, if we, we can we can still play on Mondays and do Thad stuff. And uh, you know Dennis McCrow was took over for Mel, who's like like you know Dennis is like yeah like next to Mel Dennis is my favorite drummer you know sure. like, it was just like and you, Dennis always reminded me from the first time I heard Dennis play I thought it, you know I was like who is this guy you know? <laughs> and, and according to Dennis he they never and he writes like Thad. You know, he right, he arranges right. like th- he arranges like Thad and he plays like Mel like the first time he did a rehearsal you know, he got a rehearsal band together. And I got off the subject of the, the, the band moving on, but um, Dennis was uh, Dennis was playing, so it was it was a great having him to transition from Mel passing away and having Dennis do it because it was just like it just it felt the same. Felt the same, yeah. You know, so but um, the 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 band decided uh, like you know a few people decided they said like well we need to. Do uh, we need to yeah get some kind of direction and uh, try and get the band out there as you know without Mel, you know, and, and so the first thing was uh, changing the name and decided Vanguard Jazz Orchestra, which I don't I don't know who came up with the you know who came up with that, but it you know kind of made sense. It like, works. Well, we played the Vanguard every Monday, <laughs> so that kind of kind of did make sense yeah you know? so i don't i don't know who i don't know if it's Oscar or oats or you know who i don't know who came up with the with the idea to to rename the band that um you know at first i kind of was like well that i don't think that's a good idea because it's like starting it's like having a whole brand a whole new band you know um 
you know, like the, the, we were identified as, you know, Thad Jones Mel Lewis Orchestra, then the Mel Lewis Jazz Orchestra, and then to change the name, like to get away from the Mel Lewis, just like there's no Thad, no Mel, just like a totally different name. But we're still doing Thad stuff, you know, and, you know, d d doing the Brookbyer stuff, and, um, but it, you know, it, it didn't seem to make sense to me, but, you know, in retrospect, it, I guess it, it, you know, it did. Because we didn't lose the identity of, you know, didn't they didn't lose their to Mel, you know, because we were still doing uh, their stuff. But they started getting, started moving, doing less and less of that. And, start, it, you know, it, it evolved, you know. Oh, and, yeah. So, uh, but, you know, it was, it, was, it was a tough transition, but, the, 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 you know, the band kept going, you know, it obviously kept going, so, and, you know, it's still going, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, as a fan of the band, I, uh, I'm thrilled you guys uh, persevered through those that tough time because I'm sure it, it was. But, uh, but thanks for sharing all those thoughts about the, about your time with with that and Mel. So, uh, it's, yeah, it's a rich was, uh, rich history for sure. Yeah, there was something. I want to ask you quick uh, thoughts about just a few projects that uh, you know you're, you've. I mean, we could talk about. There's so many artists you've. Uh, lent your talents to but um there's a few that jump right out um um what was it like working with mccoy tyner and his uh, big band which has been kind of not you've done several projects with mccoy i believe right yeah it's uh not not enough and you know it's it's uh it's a it's a drag because um that next to thad next to thad and uh and mel that was that was probably the the best band uh out there it's like, like I say, like a band des deserving of wider recognition, you know, mm -hmm. it just, it was, it just swung so hard and, and you got to listen to McCoy play every, like every gig, you know, it was, McCoy was, you know, was playing, you know, and it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a, a distraction sometimes because, <laughs> you know, when he, when he put the, when he put the band together, it was. I mean, I not when he put it together, but when I joined, when I got on the band, uh, it, it was kind of, you know he had had the, he had had the band for for a while, you know. I think they had recorded, you know, they had recorded some some albums and stuff. But um, when I joined the band, it was kind of uh, like the charts were kind of sparse, you know. They weren't they weren't like like Thad stuff, you know, or, you know, like, you're, you're, you know, like Thad or, you know, Woody Herman or, you know, Buddy Rich, you know, they, they were, they were like solid, like, you get, you start, the band starts, then, you know, there's solo section, and then background, and then you move on to the next, to the, uh, to the next, uh, you know, interlude, or whatever, mm -hmm. and then the band starts, you know, another background, you know, everything was, you know, you know, written out and precise, and McCoy's was a little, little looser than that. You know, there were like you know there there were like long you know like open sections for solos and um and there were you know there were backgrounds written but they the band, the band didn't really pay attention too much to the backgrounds uh, because you know because the band everybody in the band was a great uh, was a great uh, impro improvisationalist. Except for me, you know, I, I'm, I, I, I play, yeah, I, I play trumpet. I play lead trumpet. That's all I know. You want to blow on this? No thanks. You don't really want to hear me blow on this, okay? Take it, you know. Take you want to take a couple courses? Nah, no, no. I'm good. Got the part here. I'm good. Like, you guys go crazy, you know. 
then you know, so Cass would be like sitting there waiting to blow, you know, and we just like a lot of the a lot of the bands were like that, but my as far as being a lead trumpet in the band, that my focus was to get the band to sound as a to make it sound like a unit when the band was come, was playing. Mm-hmm. You know, when there was a section, if there's a if there's a section for the band to play, I want the band to play as as one. And when it start first started with McCoy's band, it would be like he would. Uh, and McCoy didn't really know how to lead a big band either, because he, you know, he would kind of like when he knew there'd be a background coming, and he would kind of give you a cue like you know two bars before he wanted to come in. And if if you saw it, if you saw the cue, and you would come, in, you know, and so some of the band would come in, and then it's gra- you know gradually the whole band would come in on the background, and it would all be everybody would be playing together. With you know, after about eight bars, you know, then everybody would be the whole band would be. So I, after I got over the initial like, I can't can't believe I'm playing with McCoy Tyner. <laughs> I uh, I went into him one day and I said, McCoy, if uh, I said, can I make a suggestion? He's like, yeah, yeah, sure, you know, because he, he, you know, McCoy's just he's just he's the best. He's mm. and he said, I said, listen, I said, you know, when we have backgrounds. Uh, you want you want us to come in with the backgrounds because I didn't know the charts that well, you know. So I wasn't sure, you know. I didn't want to like assume anything because, you know, I'm I'm me. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm nobody. This is McCoy. I mean, maybe he's got something else going on. So I go. Uh, I said, listen. I said, when you want us to come in with the background, so if you cue me, give me a cue uh, to let me know, like, it, preferably maybe a chorus before or halfway through the chorus before you want us to come in, then I can let the band know. You right. Because know? Um, a lot of times we'd be sitting there, everybody would be sitting there watching them play and we're just kind of like, <laughs> and he'd, he'd, you know, he'd like nod his head and everybody's just sitting there staring like, yeah. And then finally we dawned on me like, oh, he wants us to come in with the background. So I told him, I said, if you if you cue me, like look at me, and then I'll pass it up to the. So he's like, oh yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so, fine. So that would be, and before we start the gig, tell everybody, tell the lead, I'll tell you know Joe Ford. I said, listen, I said when McCoy McCoy's gonna cue me for when he wants the background to come in, you know, or the next chorus come, you know, whatever. He's gonna cue me, and then I'll let you know, and then I'll count you in to the. So yeah, okay, cool. So then that's when it started actually sounded more like a band, you know, with the with the charts that he had. Um and so it was so it, it was kind it was kinda of cool, you know, because it's kinda of like it felt like I kinda of, kind of um uh solidified the band as a unit. Yeah. Um I think I think that's part of your part of what you should do as you part know as, yeah it's, it, yeah it's like to have the man play as you know has one if you don't have somebody in front you need somebody to, you know, to let people know what's what's going on. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's, I mean, it's not just me. You know, not just the lead trumpet. It could, you know, it could be like the, you know, the, like in in uh, the Vanguard band, like Oates would give the cues. Right. You know, like sometimes you know if I, if you know if there was a background or want to do something like like cut out the like cut out the bass, cut out the room, so I just had the drums and a and solo was playing. You know, you know sometimes you can do that and stuff. But like like when McCoy, it would be the same thing. It would be to like okay, I'll let you guys know what's going on. Um, but uh, that's you know that was that's kind of like doing that. That kind of helped make that kind of like a unit. You know? Yeah. Right. Plus the charts. You know when when McCrow wrote for the band, that was 
that really um, made it easier too, because because Dennis wrote these these shorts that you know had a beginning, a middle, and an end. Right. And it was clear cut. You know, it's like okay, these are the backgrounds for this. You know, then the next solo, and these are the backgrounds for that. And then you know, we go back to the top, and so it was a little easier that way. Um, but yeah, playing with McCoy was just like it was just it was a joy because you just had to hear him play all you know, like the whole the whole time. Awesome. I, I would be remiss as a trombone player to not ask you about working with J.J. Johnson and playing on the uh, his brass project, which I would imagine is the other end of the spectrum because he was known as being very meticulous and get having a clear idea of exactly what he wanted on everything. Yeah. What was that uh, experience like working with J.J.? Well, he you know it was. Uh, we just we just did we did the recording you know and like I unfortunately I didn't get to work with them that that much you know just uh, uh, just just doing the recording like just in the studio but he <laughs> he was he's definitely like you said he he knew exactly what he wanted and uh, and you would you know and he would tell he would let you know what he you know what he had in, what he was hearing what he had in mind what he wanted you to do on the on the charts and stuff and. Uh, he just was, he was like, and he was like a gentleman, you know, he was just, mm. he was just so, just so together, you know, and, and just playing when you hear him play, because that was like really the first time I got to really hear him, you know, like, you know, like live, and, I, you know, I was just blown away, like, that's JJ, wow, yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> he still got it, you know, yeah. like, he was just, it was, it was, it was incredible, incredible experience. You know, I wish I had gotten to, to uh, hang with him more. You know, but the the little the little bit that I hung with him was just he was just like just like I said very very um, proper, and very you know very together. Like the, uh, Steve Turi like hung with him a lot. Right, right. He got he he hung with him a lot. So, um, but yeah, he was just he was like he was a master. He's like he just. Just you know, hearing him play, I'm going like, so that's you know, that's why that's why he's JJ. That's why he's JJ. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, we get we got to shift gears over to uh, Saturday Night Live a little bit. You've been doing that uh, since 1985. What? <laughs> Saturday and, Night uh, Live. And, uh, I've heard of this show. <laughs> What a run! I mean, it's got to be the uh, uh, one of the longest running uh, situations for horn players, especially uh, in in New York here, uh, for, certainly. But maybe uh, it, you could just. I mean, we could spend an entire interview on on that show, probably. But maybe you could just tell us what that's been for your career, how, how what it's like to do a, a TV show basically one day a week, and then and also, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I know you shared with me the audition uh, story when you were supposed to audition with Robin, and then uh, somehow you ended up with Steve. So yeah, Robin you, still hates me for that. <laughs> but anyway, talk about uh, Saturday Night Live through Earl Gardner's. Uh, uh, well, you know what's funny that. That um, auditioning for the show uh, uh, got me on McCoy's gig. Oh, really? Yeah, it's in, in a in a very convoluted way or like roundabout <laughs> way. It it led to the McCoy gig because I was supposed to I was supposed to do this gig in Europe with uh, Frank Oren Bazzetti. He's a, a flugelhorn player, like from that lives in Switzerland in in uh, Lugano. And we had done, um, I think it was, uh, I think it was uh, George Gruntz's band had done Gruntz's band, who I, who I, got, I, I did that band subbing for Soloff, who got mm. me on that band. It was like, you know, like that, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> like, He'll be great. You know, George is like, I don't know who this guy is. And Blue's like, don't worry, you'll like him. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know, then Lewis tells me, he's like, when this guy calls you up, make sure you say yes. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, he when um, I was supposed to do this gig with, with uh, Franco, and uh, it was a 10-piece a ten-piece band, so I was gonna go over there, and you know, it was it was like ten days or something. Just you know, just real, real like real, real cool gig. It was be like you know, you got ten days in Lugano, which is gorgeous. You know, yeah. you know I'm, I'm sure you've been there, so it's just like amazing. And um, so when I I got this call from from Lou Delgado, the contractor, and he he um, said like you know it's Lou Delgado, you know, contractor at SNL and. I want to find out if you'd be interested in auditioning for for the show. So I I said yeah. Until so I didn't I didn't I just got the message and it was the audition was supposed to come right when I was supposed to be going over to uh, to Lugano. So so back then I I wasn't as good with my business as I as I am now. Well, I have my my wife who's good with my business. So. Well, call him back. What's wrong with you? So I didn't call Lou back for a few days. Uh, because I'm thinking, I'm going like, ah, I got to call Europe, and then I got to talk to Franco and try and get out of this gig. And like, to, to me, that was just like, there was just too, there was too much to handle. Too much. I got to figure out how to call Europe. <laughs> like, I don't know how to call Europe. Yeah, it's so, just easier to pass on yeah, the gig. Like, yeah, forget it. I'm like, you know, I'm just... I'm, I'm not gonna do this. I'm not, that's, it's too much hassle to call over there and, tell, and say like, Franco, listen, I got to get out of this gig. Yeah. So I didn't. So for a couple of days, this was going. Instead of me calling Lou saying, "Listen, you know, can I have a couple of days to, you know, can I can let you know a few days?" I just didn't answer him. <laughs> so you know, two three days go by, and um, and I'm still trying. To, I'm trying to decide what to do. You know, because so, <laughs> I'm thinking it's not. This is not that big a deal. Because I'm thinking to myself, it's you know, it's just it's for it's probably for one show. They're probably they'll probably doing a skit, and they need a trauma player to like you know act like an idiot. Like <laughs> I'm your guy. You know? <laughs> so, um, so I I um so I didn't do anything about it. You know, and I'm now asking people say, well, what do you think you should do? And you know, nobody does. I don't know. I don't know. You know. So I I um so so after, I think it's like the third day, I get a phone call from Fattis. And he, said, he says, uh, he says, Earl. He said, Jared. <laughs> I said, what's up? He goes, how come you haven't called Lou back? And I'm like, what do you mean? He said, Delgado. He says, he, he called you. He said he he called you to find out if you want to audition for, for, for SNL. I said, oh, yeah, he did. I said, but I, he said, well, how come you haven't called him back? I said, I just, he, I just saw him. He ran into him on a jingle or something. I just saw him. He asked me, he said, how come Earl hasn't called me back yet? I said, well, I, I said, I'm supposed to go over to, over to uh, Switzerland and do this other gig. And um, it's, it's, you know, it's paying like $500, man. Like, it's a, serious, it's a, it's a steady, <laughs> it's like actual money, you know. He says, I said, besides, it's just for one show, you know. He says, he says, no. He said, they're looking for, they're putting the band together for the, like the house band is for the gig. I was like, oh, <laughs> really? He said, yeah. He says, call him. I just saw him. He says he wants you to call him. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> so I hung up, and about maybe ten seconds later, because now I'm trying to, I'm trying to find the number. You know, so about ten seconds later, the phone rings again, and it's it's Randy Brecker. So like, Randy, what's up? He says, Hey man, he says, How come you haven't called Lou? <laughs> I said, I know, John just called me. I said, like, I'm gonna call him now. He says, Okay, well, make sure you call him. You know, so he hung up and I got the number and I called Lou finally. 
And I said, uh, Lou, uh, this is early. And he starts late. He says, Wow, man. He says, I was wondering how come you didn't, how come you weren't calling me back? I says, Well, I, you know, I was supposed to do this gig in Europe and I, you know, I wasn't sure. I said, I thought it was like just for audition for one show and, you know, I kind of didn't think it would be worth it to <laughs> pass on the, you know, pass on a gig that was actually going to pay me to take a chance on doing one show. With. He says, yeah, he says, it's, it's for the, they're auditioning the band for, they're putting the band together for the, uh, for the show, like the house band. I was like, Ugh. Uh, okay, he says, yeah, he says, you're going to audition with Robin and, uh, and Steve Therese supposed to audition, and he says, you're, you're with Robin, so, so he told me when it was going to be and everything, so I got out of the gig, I figured out how to call Europe, <laughs> 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 and I got out of the gig, and, uh, and he, um, and, um, I got, uh, I went to the audition, so, the other part of it was on the way into the audition, I was living upstate at the time, like up in Goshen. I had to come in from Goshen uh, to the city. The, the audition, it was downtown, like on 4th Avenue, so like down 11th Street or something. And so I'm coming in, and it was raining that day, and they were, they were bringing these trucks across uh, the, the bridge, so they had to stop traffic. Oh, no. So I so I have sitting there and I'm and I'm late and it's raining and I'm late and getting made late because of these trucks. So I finally get down there. It's about I guess about fifteen twenty minutes late. I pull up and I I park the car like right near a fire hydrant. I don't even know if it wasn't legal, but I just parked the car. So I, I got to get in there because you know this is this is great. Blow off this other gig and then get here late and have them go like oh you know sorry it was too it's too bad. So, so I go in there. And I sit down, and he goes, uh, and Howard Shore comes up. He was the musical, the the leader at the time. He wasn't in the band; he was just a, the MD, or I don't I don't know what he did, but he was. He's, his name was still up on the thing. He was like, <laughs> so he says, he says, Earl, right? I said, yeah. He says, hi, Howard Shore. How you doing? Nice to meet you. Blah blah blah. He says, listen, yeah, you're gonna go up in a few minutes. Uh, so, so if you want to warm up, you want to take your horn out, and warm up. You know, feel free. And. <laughs> And I'm, I'm like, so, like, this gig is never going to happen. I'm, I was like, that, that's okay. I'll, I said, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to warm up. I said, I'm not going to be here that long anyway, probably. <laughs> and he, he, the look on his face, he was just kind of like, uh, okay. Uh, so, you know, whatever you want to do, so you'll be coming up. So I, so I walk into the room, and Robin's up there with, the, with the Mac Gallahan. They're up there playing. Mm. So the band was, so they, they played a tune, they finished, they go, oh yeah, that sounds great, do another one, sounds great. Uh, so they, they must have played about four or five tunes. Meanwhile, Ture was was there, he was already there, he's like, you know, so, so they were up there going, so they finished playing those t their four or five tunes, and me and Steve were sitting there going like, where am I getting this gig? Because <laughs> they sounded great, they played like four or five tunes. Okay, good. So then they go, okay, thanks, and uh, say, okay, you guys, you know, you guys go get set up. So I finally took my horn out, you know, and played a couple notes and got up on the thing. So we get up there, and he's like, okay, yeah, cat. So we'll take out whatever chart it was. So we take it. So the, you know, Lenny was already there. They, they they had the whole they had the band uh, together. So they were just looking for a trombone and trumpet right then. Mm. So I think Alex was already there. Uh, you know, Alex Foster was already there. Lenny you know, Pickett was already there. So they take out a chart, we play, play this chart down, and it's like, okay, cool. I said, yeah, sounds good. Said, oh, thanks. You know. So they take out this other chart. So they take out another chart. We played about halfway through, 
and then they stopped. They said, like, okay, that, that, was, that was good enough. Said, okay, thanks a lot. You know, we'll, we'll see you later. Um, you know, we'll let you know what's happening. So me and Steve were playing with McCoy's band, and that the reason why I was playing with McCoy's band was because Faddis was supposed to be doing that week with them, but he had to get out of it, and he recommended me to 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 do to do the gig with McCoy. So that was another phone call of like, you know, yeah, Earl, it's McCoy time. And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> no, really, it's McCoy time. It's like, ah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm very like, you know, I'm like. <laughs> I can't believe like I still don't believe I'm like you know I get to play with like all these like people like people I I've heard and stuff you know I'm actually like there, so um so that's how I got McCoy's gig was was doing doing this week at the Vanguard with 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 McCoy's band, so me and Steve after after the the um the audition we went to eat dinner because we were going we were downtown anyway mm. we're down at, near the Vanguard so we went to eat dinner and. And we're sitting at this, you know, this Chinese restaurant, and we're and we're sitting there going like, that was a waste of time. That was bull. Like, <laughs> we didn't need to do this, you know. He's like, yeah, you know, like we, they, I didn't need to do this. He's like, this, this is rock and roll, blah, blah blah. And I'm like, I'm going like, yeah, I gave up this gig in 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 Switzerland. I said, but at least I'm doing fans. I mean, at least I'm doing McCoy's band. Like, said, but still, I said that was a waste of time. You know, like. And so we're just going, and we're going off, and you know, we're just like, yeah, that was like, that was stupid, like, yeah. and so the next day, or I think it was the next day or two days later, I get a phone call from Delgado. He says, he says, Earl, he says, Lou Delgado. I was like, Hey, Lou, how you doing? You know, and I'm sitting there, you're like, yeah, well, here we go, like, here it comes, here, here it comes, like, yeah. So, I, you know, how's it going? He says, good. He says, so, uh, and I'm like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm really, I'm, I'm ready to like rail on him. They're like, right. you know what? That wasn't a fair audition. He says, yeah. He says, yeah, I got the gig. I'm like, oh yeah, oh, what? He says, he says, yeah, you got the gig. I was like, you mean SNL? He says, yeah. I said, really? He says, yeah, you got the gig. You and you and you and Steve. I was like, uh, okay, thanks. You know, and I was like, I said, you're, you're really, you're serious. So you sure you got the right number, right? He just was laughing because I was like, because I just was still not believing it was happening. So he uh, he says, yeah, it's like, yeah, got the gig. I'll let you know when we're starting and blah, blah, blah. And uh, so after I hung up from him, I called Toure and I said, Steve, he says, yeah, I just heard. <laughs> he said, he said. Yeah, did you talk to Lou? I'm like, yeah. He says, you believe this? <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, that was and that that was it. That's how we. That's how we. That's how we got the gig. That's such a great story. We were yeah. yeah we were in total shock. Uh, you know? It's unbelievable. It's tough. It was. It was. It's a great. I mean, it's 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 the it's the it's the greatest gig. You know, like for. For I, mean, I just I enjoy it so much. You know, it's it's you know it's like you say it's like once a week. And I mean, as far as chops are concerned, it's not the greatest gig because <laughs> you're contrary to what people might think. We're blowing we blow our brains out. Like you know, people see us going into the commercial and they think that well that's it. You know, but you know we rehearse, we rehearse in the morning and uh, you know Lenny's like. Lenny's Lenny's so organized, and he wants he goes through all the charts. So we must we must play. I'm gonna have to count next on Saturday. I'm gonna count how many charts. We, we, I mean, there's we got millions of charts. Right. But every Saturday he gets you know he has this he has like two stacks of charts, and he has a stack that we're gonna play on the show, and then the other stack that he might 
decide to pick from, you know, in in the rehearsals are it's just like we go from Contrary. one to the other, you know, it's 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 you know. So if you're so you go in there and you haven't really done anything all week except practice, it's it's brutal, tough. you know. Wow. Yeah. Well, the, what, thanks for sharing all that. And I, the advice I take from that is, uh, unless you play as good as Earl Gardner, call people back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I learned my, I learned my lesson. I'm, like, you know, I'm, I'm so much better now, thanks, thanks to my wife. <laughs> and we should uh, take a second to, your lovely wife Cecilia is, uh, was kind enough to come up for the interview today. And and, uh, and thanks to her for putting together your resume and bio, because I know you wouldn't do it on your own. <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, it was absolutely. making making things very uh, easy for me today, so we sure appreciate her. Uh, for she her makes help. she makes everything easy for me. She's, <laughs> uh, she's the love of my life. Let me ask you uh, back to kind of a yeah a little bit more in a big band mode, but as a lead player and as as one of the premier lead players anywhere in the world, what do you look for in section players? Because obviously, most of the time people get to play with you, they may or may not be the lead player because you're mo most likely going to be I doing get stuck it. with it. But uh, <laughs> But what do you look for? You've you obviously you've played with some of the great section players of, of all time. But what are just for, kind of for young folks out there? What are some of the characteristics you look for? Um, I just want some, I I like I like to have guys that are that that play up to me. You know that are gonna that are gonna play at the same level volume wise mm. as me and and you know and just follow. Just mm -hmm. be be aware. Like listen. You know because that's. Um, that's when you're, when you're playing lead, well, for me anyway, I, I you know, I, I can't speak for everybody cause you know, everybody's different, you know, sure. not, not, not necessarily everybody's different, but everybody has a different approach, you know, different way of playing, you know, different equipment, whatever. Um, but I like to have, you know, like, I like to have my section like right on, like right under me cause I, I look at it as like they're, they're supporting, they're carrying me, you know, so I want guys that are going to, that are going to push me. And um, it's it's my job to let them know when it's when it's too if it's too much. Mm. I I'd rather have somebody come in and and be you know be like that you know like play strong right from the get go and then and have me say like okay you can come back on you can bring it back some because that's that's what Porcino did for did for me. I mean when I first started with within within uh, Thad Mel. Uh, we were over in Europe, and I had just joined the band. I was playing the third third part, and we were doing a sound check. And uh, Thad was like, he says the balance. He said the balance is off uh, in in the in the trumpets. Hmm. He says I can hear Al, um, but the, uh, I'm not hearing the, I'm not hearing enough of the inner voices, you know. And he was uh, so he said so Al Al was like he says like he said you can play he said you can play louder. He says just, just it's, you know, and I thought I was, you know, I thought I was matching them, you know, to, from what I, from what I could hear, uh, I, I was playing, I thought I was playing, I'm not as loud as I could, but I was playing, I thought loud enough, you know? mm -hmm. and that was like, so said, the balance is off, and I'm not hearing enough of the inner voices, so, um, so for the next, like, three or four gigs, I was like, yeah, I was like, he says, just, he said, don't be afraid, just, you know, <laughs> don't, don't be afraid, <laughs> blow, you know, so, I did, you know, so I was just, so I'm just like, I'm playing like, okay, well, just, I'm just going to go for it, you know, and I'm, I'm playing what I thought was too loud, you know, and he was like, yeah, it was fine, you know, so, so after like the, after about the th third or fourth night, 
He looked over it. He looked over because I was really by then I was like, I'm honking, you know, like I'm honking those third parts out, like, you know, because Dad's up there smiling, like, <laughs> and uh, and so after about the third or fourth night, we, we, fin we finished doing some some chart, and and uh, I must have really was, I must have really was like honking because because now I'm, like, I'm going like, okay, well, nobody said anything, so I leaned over, he says. Okay, you can cut back a little bit now. <laughs> Not too much, but you can bring it back. So I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> sorry. Oh, it's, it's, it's okay. <laughs> but he said, you got the idea, but you can bring it, you can rein it in. But, but I, but that's, you know, but that's what, that's, I got that from him in the sense that, you know, you want, you want people under you that are going to play, you know, to your level and going to support you. And if, the, like as far as like you know guys playing in a section err on the side of too much and mm -hmm. it's up to the lead player to tell you to, to bring it back because because mm -hmm. that's where you get to support mm -hmm. you know if if you have to you don't want you don't want you don't want as a lead player you don't have to say like like you know play louder play louder you know sometimes you have to um it's like for people that aren't you know guys that aren't used to working in a big band you know that sometimes you, you need to say like you know you, know, you can like, blow you yeah know? yeah even like in McCoy's band, I would have to tell you know I would tell uh, some you know some guys to to uh, you know to you know to pump it, you know pump it out you know because I'm not going to mention anybody's name but there was oh, some come on no, no, <laughs> not gonna, no. but there was this, there there was one person who I love to death would be he would he, like in McCoy's band like I said everybody was a great was a great. Uh, soloist you know except for me and so sometimes guys who they wouldn't think they wouldn't care too much about playing the parts they were more focused on on their solo yeah they wanted yeah, yeah. to save their chops for when they got their one chance to blow because there were so many soloists there were everybody didn't get a chance to i mean everybody got a chance to blow at some point but you got maybe one chart yeah, there'd be one tune that you had that you got to blow on that you got to stretch out on, right? You know, so because McCoy would like to give you know give everybody a, a chance, except for me, because you know, that's what, you know, McCoy was a drag. <laughs> I am kidding, you know. So, but everybody at some point would get a chance to blow on something, you know, during the course of the gig. But this, this one guy would would kind of like just kind of blow the parts off, you know. And it was only it was only three trumpets, so it wasn't like a full, you know. Right. And so and we didn't have like I said that we didn't have that many charts, uh, that many parts to to blow at the, the beginning before Dennis start started writing for the band. So you know, at one night one night I said like I said, look, <laughs> you got to play the part because there's only three of us, and the, the two of us are playing. And your part is an independent part, and it's not being. I said you got. I said look, you got. I said you got to play. You got to play your part. I said you can't. Don't you can't save your chops for your solo because you may not get a solo that night. So the whole night's wasted you saving them, and then you don't get a chance to play. But you know, but this the important thing is like you're only getting one solo a night, and that that's the important thing is playing the part. Right. You know. So um. So that's. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's really good advice. I yeah, mean, it's, I think it's that's playing in the section. For... You gotta play. You gotta play the parts. That's you know. You gotta play the parts. It's, that's that's. You know, I mean, it's 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 really important. Yeah. You know, because that's, that's it's that's the whole band. It's the whole you know. 
That's great advice. Thanks for that, Earl. That's great. Um, you know, as we wind down here, I just want to ask you uh, a couple more questions, but uh, no, kind of quick. Done. <laughs> I told you I would I, be done. I said, yeah, like, I got to go. <laughs> uh, just, you know, you're one of the, the legendary New York lead players. I wanted to just throw out a couple of names of legendary New York lead players um, and just your your thoughts about them, memories about them, I hate relationship. Them but uh, <laughs> but you, you touched on them a little bit, but uh, a very important guy in the in the, uh, in the the pantheon of New York lead trumpet players with John Faddis. Yeah, John is, he's incredible. He's just, uh, I mean, you know, he's he's in a class by himself. He's, there, the, uh, There's not a whole lot of people that come close to what he can do. And, uh, I mean, he's just a great trumpet player. You know, like, when you think of Faddis, you think of, like, high notes. People think, you know, like, they think of old high notes, but he's He's much more than that, you know. He's 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 a great lead player. You know, if, if he just if he's on a band, he's playing lead. He's he's playing lead like he's laying it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's doing it. He's doing it the way he he does it. It's like very very precise. You know, he can he can he can play like everything like right there precise. But he can but but he can swing too. You know he swings. He's just he's just a, he's a combination of every, of everything. Mm -hmm. You know, just he's he's just he does it all. You know, and that's from you know, he that's from uh, doing Thad, you know doing Thad Mel. He was you know he played he did Thad, he was playing lead with Thad Mel for you know like two like two three years I guess. Um, and he you know he really learned he really learned that learned what to do. Mm -hmm. You know because you you get on that band there's a certain style. And uh, you know that Snooky and you know like like lead that started the whole thing. You know he you know he's and and John just uh, he 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 does it all, it, all kinds of different stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, put any kind of any kind of style. John does like the Thad Mel, Basie, Ellington. You know, John know he knows he knows what he's doing. Yeah, you know? awesome. And he's he's great. That's awesome. And then we were talking about it before the interview started, and you can share those stories too. It was great, but the late great Lou Soloff. <laughs> Lou, Lou was he was he was so special. Uh, he 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 just he knew he was great. He knew music. You know, he's he loved playing high notes. <laughs> he could he, he he couldn't he couldn't play nobody. There were a few people, but uh, not too many people can play as high as John. You know, but Lou always tried. <laughs> <laughs> he always tried, and uh, but he he knew he knew uh, he knows music. He he loved music. He loved playing the trumpet. He loved trumpet. He loved mouthpieces. That uh, he did right. <laughs> he, was, he was just. Uh, I mean, he like I said, he he knew all all the all the styles, uh, and he liked to try stuff. He liked to try, you know, like to try, like to try stuff on different, you know, on on um. On different on different uh, bands, you know, different different types of music. He tried. He would try uh, different things. Um, he was always trying to get inside the inside the music, you know. And uh, I tell you a quick story about Lou when he subbed at the Vanguard. He came in. He came in late, of course, because he always, he was always late. <laughs> he came walking in, and we were up there. We started the gig already. You know, we had played the first two, okay. and, and, you know, three trumpets. You know, like. <laughs> And Mel's up there, and Mel's like, "Where the hell's Lou?" <laughs> I don't know. I called him. He's he's coming. 
So he shows up after the first tune, and he's and he's he's playing. He's going to be playing third. He's over here next to Mel. Like, so he comes in. He's got his. You know, he's got his, like three cases and. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, and you know how small it is up there, and he's like climbing over, like, oh, sorry, sorry, uh, sorry, I'm late, and like, you know, it's like, it's okay, Lou, just, you know, get the horn out, let's go. <laughs> and, Mel, and Mel's looking at him like, come on, Lou, let's go, like, so he takes the horns out, sets them up, and then he pulls out this case, this little case, and he opens it up, and he's got ten mouthpieces in it. <laughs> and I'm just looking at him like, <laughs> so Mel's like, he said, you ready, Lou, you ready? So it's like, yeah, so he's... So Mel calls it to him, and he does, and he does a thad thing. This is well, this is like a, some leaders. They, apparently, they learned it from Dor from Dorsey or Basie that whenever somebody comes in cold, they start they playing. They play right, right away. Right, right. <laughs> so, so, so Mel calls his tune, and he says, "This tune's gonna feature uh, Lou Soloff on trumpet." You know, Lou's like, <laughs> so he takes takes his horn, he gets the mouthpiece. We start the tune, and Lou starts blowing. And he's and he's like going, and you know, Lou sounds like Lou. He sounds great, you know. And he's switching mouthpieces like during the solo. So then you like, yeah. You know, play a couple chords, and he's switching, and we're looking at him like, what? So I'm like, Lou, what do you think? He's like, what does this sound? What does this sound like? And I'm like, Lou, focus, Lou, focus. Yeah, that was that was Lou. Classic was like, Lou. Yeah, yeah, he was just he was just he was uh, and he was one he was one of a kind. You know, yeah. I, I I loved him. He was he was just the best. You know, like and every time I'd see him, I'd be I'd be in I'd be like I can't believe I'm playing with Lou Solo. Because you know, like we were talking before, like you know, the spinning wheel. You know, like but even before that, like playing with Chuck Mangione and like you know, like this this one thing. Look to the children. He was on this thing with Porcino was playing lead, and Lou was on was on this on the album too, and. Uh, and just hearing Lou, you know, Lou could play everything. He's like classically, you know, right, classical right. trumpet. He was great, and jazz, you know, and it's it's he was just special. He was just he was one of my favorites. Yeah, well, I think uh, that goes for Lou, but also goes for you. Uh, I, there's not a person in New York who doesn't uh, speak that highly of you. And and uh, as well, we as we it. as we close out today. Everybody in New York refers to Earl Gardner as Bird, so <laughs> I th I have a feeling I know where it came from, but uh, I don't I don't think I've ever heard the actual official explanation. So I don't think it's a better way to end the interview than uh, how did you get the nickname Bird? <laughs> well, uh, Fed gave me the nickname. It was it was all Fed. It's all Fed's fault. <laughs> we when I joined the band, I was I was like about three hundred fifty pounds. I was I was huge. And uh, we were we had just gotten to Europe. It's my first, my first. It might have been the first time I was on a plane. You know, like, but I got I got my uh, trumpet. You know, I got my you know trumpet and uh, flugel in you know in the case in the double case. And I had a I guess I had a shoulder bag or, and I had an, another carry on thing with me. You know, and I'm walking down to the you know, walking. We're going to baggage claim, and Thad and Mel were behind me. And so we got the baggage claim, and and, uh, and he says, you know what? He says, you know what? From the back, he says, you look like Big Bird. <laughs> I was like, what? He says, yeah, like you know, cause I had this big butt, you know, like, and I'm waddling down the thing, like. <laughs> and he says, from the back, he says, you look like Big Bird. He says, I'm gonna call you Big Bird. And I was like, okay. <laughs> And that's how it. That's that's where it started. Oh, okay, you know? okay. So when 
when I when I lost all the weight, uh, they were still calling still calling me Big Bird. And Pepper used to call me Grosse Vogel because that was like Big Bird German. Like, uh, <laughs> he said Grosse Vogel, and I'm like <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> and I didn't know what he saw. I was like, what? What's that? What's that? Oh, it's Big Bird in German. Like, okay, cool, yeah. whatever. May not catch on. But yeah, yeah, yeah but not quite as catchy, but. <laughs> So it's pepper. So you know, you yeah. call me whatever yeah, you yeah. want. You know? So um, so when I when I lost the weight, uh, I think I think it was um, I think it was Dajin. Uh, he says, he said, we can't call you a big bird anymore. He said, we, we said, we can call you little bird. And I was like, I, you know, it's like whatever. Yeah, I didn't care. You know, <laughs> I'm just here. You know, they call me whatever you want. And uh, so then Thad. Uh, decided to shorten it to Bird. He says, he says, he says, we're just gonna, we're just gonna call you Bird. I think it was, he was either Than or Dodge, and one of them just decided that they were just gonna start calling me Bird. So, at first, I didn't, I didn't like it because I'm like, it's like, you can't call me Bird. <laughs> Mel's like, you because know, Mel's, he's like, he really, he really liked them. I said, you can't call me Bird. He says, why not? I said, because. You know, there's already like a bird. You know, like the like first of all, it's like there's bird. Everybody knows bird, right? He plays. You know, Alta. You ever hear him? Like, Come on, Mel. He's like, and uh, I said, you know, this Charlie Bird. I said, like this, but you know, but Charlie Parker, that's bird. He says, yeah. He says, but you're you're bird on the trumpet. I'm like, oh, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> Like I, I said, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't play jazz. I'm not. A, a, I said, I'm not a jazz player. He says, well, you play. He said, you're a jazz lead player. I'm like, okay, that's all well and good, but still, there's already a bird. You know? <laughs> so I didn't. So I, I really didn't like it at first. He said, no, no, it's fine. But when I finally accepted it, when I finally said it was okay, it was going into a, a gig, a rehearsal or a gig in Frank West. Like Frank West was was on the thing, him and Jimmy Heath, and Frank West came up to me. He says, he says, he said, uh, birds. Um, like he was asking me a question, and I'm like, I said, and I thought, like, I said, well, if Frank West thinks it's okay to call me bird, then who am I to argue? You know, like that's, you know, because I mean, you know, this is Frank West. If, if he this, if he doesn't think it's if he thinks it's okay, and Jimmy Heath and you know, like the, all these like legends, they yeah. they have no problem with it. You're then gonna, you're gonna have to go. I can, yeah, I, you know, I can accept <laughs> it. I mean, it wasn't like I didn't, yeah, I didn't like it, but it was just like it felt like, you know, it just felt wrong because I'm like, I don't, I said, I don't even, I'm not even a jazz player. You know? <laughs> I don't, I don't play. I said I'll play on a blues, but that's just like basic stuff. You know, I, I just so like not to get embarrassed. You know. Well, there you go. Uh, next time you see Earl, you can call him Bird, and, yeah, and with feel, confidence, you, we know we came from the source. So <laughs> right it's there. official now. Feel but. free. Frank West said it was okay. So, well, Earl, this has actually been a wonderful treat, and I, I thank you again for taking the time to come up. And well, you can hear him. Me. You can hear him almost every Saturday on Saturday Night Live, uh, <laughs> and you can hear him uh, many, many times here in New York with the the best jazz bands in the world and out on the road. Uh, one of the all-time greats, and uh, Earl, thank you again. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, thanks so much. Thanks for having me. We will see all of you next time on Bone to Pick.